call, right? Good call, Jake. Yeah. So I, I love it. We'll just get, get going here. Sometimes we get too comfortable with ourselves. So Jesus, speaking of getting comfortable, Jesus wants to feel comfortable in your heart and my heart, doesn't He? Today we're going to be diving into a series... Well, wait, before I go into that, we need to t- tell an announcement. So the Green Hippo... Everyone, I need a drum roll, please. So the Green Hippo... You, everyone say, what's the Green Hippo? Don't you want to know? Michael, there it is. So years ago we came up with this idea. It's kind of like the white elephant green hippo thing. And we're like, we're just going to do the great green hippo. And uh, we're going to be having this. Now, don't pay attention to your bulletin. We're doing a little jockeying with it. The date for the green hippo is this. Saturday, March 21st at 5 o'clock. Okay? It's going to be the biggest party we ever have here. So... Uh, so it's going to be a fantastic time. We were going to move it to, fr- we want it on Saturday. It's going to work great. So Saturday, uh, five o'clock, March 21st, and we're going to have a beautiful dinner. This isn't going to be a potluck. I, I, potlucks are great. I love potlucks. Don't get me wrong. But how many of you know you like to have something cooked for you every once in a while? So this, so this is going to be one of those things where you're going to come. And Deb, you're coming back there. I see you. You're sitting with Ann. Yeah, you're next after this announcement, by the way. But, uh, so here we go. Mark, so mark, mark that on your calendar. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a beautiful, cool thing. My mom put together really cool instructions for us for this particular event. You're going to love it. But if you haven't got that in your calendar yet, mark it on your phones, get reminders, do everything, because you will not want to miss that. More announcements to come on that. Also, really quick, is uh, Deb Thompson is here. Deb, what a blessing for you to be here today. It's Ron Thompson's mom, and we are blessed to have you. She texted me last night and I, oh my gosh, when you said you're coming to church today, I wanted to like run through the text and tackle you. So there was not enough emojis for me to have you here. So what an honor to have you here. Can we give it up for Deb Thompson here this morning? Our house, this God's house was affected by your son and infected with your son and the beautiful paint and everything that was done here. He busted his buns for this church. So we love having you here, Deb. So, uh, awesome. Now, on to water. Everyone say, I need some water. So it's been a long time coming, but uh, this, this one here this week is Icelandic Glacial. Right? Everyone say, whoa. So every week we do for some young people upstairs here the water giveaway. We started this a while ago. So we have some, uh, this week it's, I shouldn't say sponsored. Is that a bad thing? Don't but uh, Icelandic Glacial, and this is natural spring water from Iceland. I mean, when's the last time that anyone has, has drunk water from Iceland in here? All right, come on, tell me about it. So uh, over a thousand years ago, long before the first humans reached remote Iceland, a massive volcano eruption created. We need to have background stuff with this. A unique underground spring complete with its own natural filtration system. We need this at church. Pristine lava rock, now known as... Uh-oh, if you're, if you're from Iceland here today, don't get mad at me. Ulfus Spring. This is the origin of Icelandic glacial, the natural spring water, which is its source of an, of the, uh, of an epic life. Wow. So, guys... People, ladies, gentlemen, the, the last but not least here today is going to be Mr. Matthew. Can we have Matthew come up here for your water? Yeah! 
That's yours. So wait, wait, we've got to pray. We've got to pray over you this morning. So Matthew, we're going to pray for you a blessing and uh, the epic life and the adventure that Christ has for you. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank You for Matthew. We thank You for the life he brings to this church and his spirit. Lord, I just thank You, Lord, for his fervency in prayer. And God, when he prays, he touches the very corridors of heaven. And Father, we pray a blessing over him this day. And we thank You, God, for what You're going to do in the epic adventure that You have for this young man, Matthew. We pray Your Spirit hovers over him. And God, every person that has an encounter with him would have an encounter with Your Holy Spirit and say, that man changed my life. And God, I thank You that this young man changes lives because of his witness and because of the Holy Spirit who fills him today. We thank You for the epic adventure in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Yeah! So Matthew, the instructions are this. You have to drink your Icelandic water during service and tell, her, tell us if it was an epic adventure for you. So, amen, amen. So Jesus at home in our hearts. Turn real quick in your Bibles, if you have them, to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. And actually, we'll start in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. And then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Can everyone say amen there? We could walk out after this uh, verse of Scripture, just reading that. We could study this whole verse of Scripture, this little snippet here, if you will, of the Bible, and it could take us the whole year to talk about the love of God. Amen? The love of God, it's so amazing, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It was, uh, Margaret was texting back and forth, and we were talking about Steve's surgery, and he was right after the surgery, was going through a ton of pain. And I wanted to share this little moment because it was huge. And Margaret had said, Steve, it's amazing the amount of pain that Christ went through for us who didn't deserve it. You know, to compare the pain of that to the pain on the cross and what He did, she goes, and He endured this pain for undeserving people. Jesus at home in our hearts, Martin Lloyd Jones writes, who has been called the greatest preacher of the 20th century, took 17 messages in the unsearchable riches of Christ, he confessed that he could not recall any other scripture in his preaching ministry where he was so conscious of his own inadequacy and ability as this one. This, this is huge. The fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, to make Christ uh, our, our heart Christ's home, it's, it's a huge thing. 
And it's not just this, and I think sometimes in the evangelical sequence of things, I was talking to a, a fellow brother in Christ yesterday at my... Oh, by the way, Kelsey won her volleyball tournament. That's pretty awesome. Anyways, we were talking, yeah, she won the whole thing. All these club teams, you know, big stuff, and their team took it. That was pretty awesome. I, you know, it was really cool too, Mr. Michael. I'm going to embarrass Natalie since she's not here. Uh, I understood she sung her heart out yesterday at some event. And uh, so you tell Natalie that she's going to have to sing here. I don't know. When she's here, we'll talk about her and what she did. But we'll wait till she's here, okay? But that heard it was a pretty awesome experience with her. But a uh, pretty amazing thing what Christ does with us. But God came, you know, you think about the power of God's love and His Spirit. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. He left heaven to be here. How many would leave heaven to come back here? You know, I feel bad for those people that were raised from the dead. They get to heaven. And these greats of faith, and you know, I think about, we were reading the scripture of Jesus when he was raised from, you know, when he died on the cross. You know, all the, the, the veil was tore, and those who were dead in faith, they rose again, and they're back, and they're like, I did not want to come back, Jesus! I wanted to stay up there. I'm, I feel bad for them. They had to do it all over again. Anyways, that was just a little... has nothing to do with this. Mark Sayers writes, we can now see that the first difference between Israel's temples and other failing temples and life symbols, systems, both ancient and modern, is the presence or absence of God's dwelling. Without God's dwelling within a temple, it is in, not indeed a temple. Just as Solomon's temple became functional when it was filled with God's presence, the same temple became dysfunctional when the glory of God departed during the time of Ezekiel. You know, we got lots of churches in the world, don't we? we got lots of temples. Lots of beautiful churches, don't we? But how many know God doesn't inhabit pretty churches? Now, He may, but He really doesn't care if it's a pretty church or not. So we have lots of temples that we go to and we say, you know what, this temple right here today, and then I pray this for our church, this never happens. That the light that God has given to us that it doesn't become dysfunctional with our own flesh because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to move in and through this place. I never want that. I never want to be a place and to have this be a place where it becomes dysfunctional because the Holy Spirit does not have free reign here. See, it doesn't matter how busy we become. How many you know you could be really busy and really not productive in your life? And has anybody ever been so busy in your life you go, I didn't get anything done? Can I get a show of hands there? You were busy! But you are dysfunctional. And the same is true when it comes to God's presence with our life. God can live in our hearts and take residence there. He doesn't live in temples. In fact, when He was talking to the woman at the well, He said there will come a place where we will say, God's not here. God's not there. But He will spring forth the well within us. And we can, a well within us and we'll say, that's where God's presence is at. God's presence, you know where He is today? He is in every believer in this world. You know, I was just reading, just this last week, one of my great heroes of the faith, if you ever can get a book by him, one of his best books ever was Crazy Love by Francis Chan. How many know Francis Chan in here? We've had him, I had him, we've had him here. We, we had him through YouTube up here. I didn't have Francis Chan. I don't know the guy. But, Fra 
But he, he has made a huge voyage now. Now him and his wife and his family went from Simi Valley to a big church of like 3,000 people. Then he went to San Francisco to preach to street people and just have a street ministry and start house churches. And he would have use normal, just everyday people and say, all right, you guys are pastors now. How many like to do that, right? That'd be cool, fun. God's going to do that to all y'all in here. You're responsible now. You're responsible for that group. Went from that, and now he's preaching to these remote villages. He just got there, and he goes to this remote village. People never even heard of who Jesus is. He tells them, there's a son, Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. Just a really simple, basic message. People put their faith in Christ. And now all of a sudden, there's this little boy and this little girl coming up that can't hear at all. They haven't been able to hear Francis Chan, he's not some big faith healer. He just simply goes over to them. He doesn't have, quote, the gift of faith for that. He said, God, I need faith because I need to pray for these kids. I need to pray for them to get healed. How many of you know you don't need some special gift? You just need God with you. Don't you use your lack of gifts for a lack of God. That doesn't mean there's a lack of God. You just say, God, you supersede everything in my life in the first place. It's not about me. So what's Francis Chan do? He prays for them, and now all of a sudden he's talking to them. They can hear again. Now, you've got to understand Francis Chan's disposition is not that angle of faith, if you know what I'm saying. So here God surprises him, and these two kids are healed, and now the village all gets to hear and talk about and hear the gospel of faith. This is what's going on. This is what I talk about, the presence of God and the dwelling of God, that God is alive, He's active. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. It goes a lot deeper than the Western cute little gospel where we have to prop people up and keep people happy. No, the kingdom of God is on fire, and it's alive in people's hearts. Some temples, though, become dysfunctional when the glory of God departs. Say, Pastor, does does God depart from me? You know, the, the Holy Spirit can be grieved in our lives. We know that, right? Now, you might have Christ and your name might be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, But you're not experiencing life here. And the glory of God, per se, has departed. His Spirit is not cognizant. You're not aware of His presence. Jacob, remember when he fell asleep and he slept on the rock? And he woke up and he said, you've been here the whole time and I wasn't even aware of it. So a lot of us are going to bed at night and we're not even aware that God is there. That He's among us. That He's with us. And God dwells among men. What, a, what an amazing concept. Fully God, yet fully man. And He comes to live with us. The Holy Spirit empowers you. Turn to someone real quick and say, I need some power. Now you've got to say it louder, but more important than that. Say, I need some power. You know, one of the funny things in my house is this. I'm a batteries guy. My wife, it's a big joke with me and Ann. Like, she'll say, do you need anything? And I think one of the first things I say is, we need some batteries. She's like, Steve, we have batteries. I'm like, are you sure? We need some batteries. It's just all the time. I don't know why. I don't know what happened to me in my life that I guess I need batteries. But it's like every time she goes to the store. We were at Costco the other day. I'm walking through the aisles. And I'm staring at the batteries double A's and triple A's. I'm like, this is crazy. I can get like 46 double A batteries in. What do I use them for? I don't know, but we need batteries. 
But how many of you know if you don't have batteries when you need them, life really stinks? That battery in that remote stops working and you're like, stupid batteries! I need power. Paul spoke in this Scripture right now what I want to tell you today is a guarantee of Christ. No matter what mood you're in. How many have been in a bad mood this week? Doesn't matter what mood you're in. It doesn't matter what mood you're in. That doesn't change faith. You mean in a bad mood? So what? So you're in a bad mood. That doesn't, doesn't change God. God's not surprised by your bad mood. You, you, just, you, you get into a, a phase where you understand, where no, no, I just need the power right now to move through this mood in my life. He speaks of unlimited resources here. Another scripture that I always use is this. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So you don't even need to ask God for anything. What you have right now in your life and what God's given to you, it's enough. It's more than enough. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. But let's get one thing straight about the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road, if you will. This is the part where we kind of part ways and we don't move into the things of God for our life. Let's get one thing straight with our understanding with God right now. It is that He doesn't empower us to continue doing the status quo. He doesn't empower you to stay the same. He doesn't empower you for you to just go along with your circumstances and just don't want any change. God, just give me the power right now to keep things status quo in my life. No, you are awakened to things and God says, no, that thing needs to change. God doesn't empower you and me to keep things to keep you and me happy, per se. He doesn't empower you and me. No, He comes and He stirs things up. How many of you know there was a status quo going on in the church when Christ was walking on the earth? And how many of you know Jesus came to disrupt the systems that were going on? The status quo, the seats of power were now being challenged. They were jealous of the attention Christ was getting. The status quo... He longs to bring change to your heart and to break the status quo and to bring renewal. Mark Sayers writes, the word renew means to continue something after a long pause. I want to tell you that I had a long pause on exercise. How many of you enjoy exercise in this place today? I had a long pause. And then I started moving my body and I realized how long my body had been paused. And I needed some renewal. And I needed something to happen in my life where there needed to be some changes and there needs to be adjustments. And as I'm challenging the status quo physically in my life, there is also something going on where I need to challenge the status quo in my life spiritually. Because it's not enough for us just to simply say, Jesus, come into my life. In 1997, I gave my life to Christ. Because for me to be filled with the Spirit is a present tense kind of thing. I, I, I have to get out of the status quo. I love what Jen Wilkins says this, and it's in your bulletin. It's a great quote. It says, This does not happen passively, but by a heart longing to see the Savior change their hearts and minds. She writes, We will not wake up ten years from now and find we have passively taken on the character of Christ. You will not wake up ten years from now more in love with Christ doing it passively. You think about relationships. You think your growth in relationships. 
Did you get closer to the person because you talk less to them? Or did you grow closer to them because you talk more with them? Did you grow more in love with them because you did things and you did things out of the box and you thought about those things and you, and you were really awakened by those things and you went after the person you loved? Or did you just sit back by and say, you know what, everything's fine, everything just is working out great? Unfortunately, the Christian faith does not work by osmosis. You can't put the Bible on top of your head. You know, us religious people like to use relics, don't we? The Bible can become a relic. This never was meant to be a relic. This never was meant to be your great-grandma's experience. This was meant to be your experience. This Bible was meant to be written into, notes, lines. We were meant to dive in. And we were not meant to look at this as a historical document purely and say, what did Moses do? Well, let me tell you something. The God of Moses is doing something different with you now. The God of Moses is doing something with me now. He is not asking for me to continue on a status quo for my life. He is pushing us, if you will. Do you know the Holy Spirit's job is to counsel us? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's job is to do also? Is to convict us. The Holy Spirit, fire, if you will, and the wind, and the Holy Spirit does these things. God, through the, the wilderness leads the people in their wilderness wanderings and they would watch the fire uh, by night and the cloud by day. Isn't it crazy? Just watch this cloud keep moving with it, keep moving with it. There will never be a status quo. There will never be a status quo. With our church, when we're looking at things, I don't want status quo. You know, even with giving, we just did the business meeting last weekend. Do you know my whole goal here is not necessarily for all the bills to get paid. That's wonderful. And that's a beautiful thing. And Rod's like, yeah, that is a wonderful thing. It's great to get bills paid here. This isn't about bills. Do you know what this is about? This is about every one of us opening our lives, our finances, our whole being. Because how many of you know the love of money can really mess people up? Because you will either love God or you'll love money. The whole idea of this to become a cheerful giver is for God's Holy Spirit to be released in your life and you become obedient in every area of your life, in every area of my life. You are not meant to stumble through life aimlessly. I'm going to go after God, maybe you should say to yourself. Maybe it's time, by the way, you start doing some renouncing. I believe one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit doesn't empower us or can't, if you will, empower us for today is because we have allowed some lies into our heart. What do I mean by lies? Have you ever said, I can't do it? I just can't. You ever lied to yourself and maybe you said, man, I'll never achieve this because of something that happened five years ago, whatever it was. And you start to build these lies and these doubts and these fears and you take them in and you say, there's no way I can achieve the full potential in my heart and my life because of this. And we've accepted a lie. Here's what I want you to do and it doesn't take a lot of work. I want you maybe this week to write down some of those lies you're believing. And maybe you say this, you break an agreement that you've made with yourself, with your heart. You break the agreement and you say, I'm going to go after God and it's time we break the agreement that's formed in our heart and maybe we say it something like this and it's really simple. In the name of Jesus, I renounce that lie, that dot, dot, dot whatever you lied about. I renounce the lie that I've made. I am free from this bondage and it's nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
You're going to have to take yourself by the nap of the neck, if you will, and you're going to have to say, no, I do not receive those words over my life anymore. I don't receive that lie. Maybe it is about your finances and you say, no, it's never going to be this good or, or whatever it is. However it's working, you, you've placed yourself in a box and you have to renounce those lies that you've made yourself. It gets us out of the status quo. Have you put limitations on your life? You know, I can only think of Francis Chan. He was in a very wealthy area of California. For him to take him and his family and go off overseas to do that, that was kind of changing the status quo, wasn't it? The Hebrew name for Egypt is Mitzrahim. It also denotes boundaries or fences. So the Hebrew name for Egypt literally means boundaries or fences. The enemy trying to keep us in. Remember when the Pharaoh was in negotiation with Moses? And he said, hey, Moses. Moses like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to worship. I need the people. And he would say, well, no, why don't you do this? And they would go back and forth. And he said, no, we're going, to the, we're going out there. God's taking us out here. And so the enemy would like to put boundaries on you and negotiate with you the terms of the deal, so to speak. And we think, here's the funny thing, we think that we need to negotiate with the enemy. So when Moses was talking to Pharaoh, he wasn't negotiating with him. Do you know that? Moses was telling Pharaoh and declaring Pharaoh the word of the Lord. Os Guinness writes this, Perhaps you are frustrated by the gap that still remains between your vision and your accomplishments. Do we have any people there today? Maybe you're right now frustrated with where you're at and where you should be. It's okay. We're all there. Or maybe you're depressed by the pages of your life that are blotched with compromises and failures, betrayals and sins. Do I have any people there today? You've had your say. Others may have had their say. How many people have had some other people saying things about you? But make no judgments and draw no conclusions until the scaffolding of history is stripped away and you see what it means for God to have had his say and made you what you are called to be. So God is not going to not complete what he started. God finishes, God finishes every project that he starts. Turn real quick to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. First Peter 2, towards the end of your Bible. Verses 9 and 10. Getting an understanding of what our identity is in Christ is so important for us to understand why Christ makes us His home. He loves us. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Don't you love that? Once you walked around not knowing who you were. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with society today is we have a bunch of young people walking around really not realizing who they are. And I want to give you a charge, young person, today. You are who God says you are. 
You are a chosen son and daughter of the Most High. You are a special possession of His. He loves you. He cherishes you. You didn't have an identification before. And now you are called His own. By the way, we didn't call on God. God called us out. He called me out of the muck and the mire. He took Steve and He establishes my life. And I love it how Osgood says, wait till all the scaffolding comes down and see what He finishes. Here's what I want you to know. Every blotch, every sin, every setback that has gone on your life, it still doesn't prevent you from getting to your full potential in Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Every trespass and sin, God has forgiven for us. Once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. We need to get this kind of spirit about us like Peter had. Turn real quick to John chapter 6, verse 66. Jesus had a lot of disciples following Him. Not just the twelve. He had people that were walking after Him. And this was kind of a fork in the road for a lot of them. Jesus had said, "This is, you know, unless you drink my blood and eat my body, you'll have no part in me. They're out in the wilderness and they're like, what is He talking about? How many have had Jesus kind of really confuse you before in life? He, he said some things that were really difficult for them to perceive. And it says in here, I, I, I think it's just amazing what, in verse 60, we'll start there on chapter 6, said many disciples deserted Jesus. Many of his disciples said this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and He knew who would betray Him. And He said to them, That is why I said that people can't come to Me unless the Father gives them to Me. And then in verse 66 it says, At this point, many of His disciples turned away and deserted Him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. I wonder in that moment here, just as kind of an aside, how many disciples left him that day? How many? Because it said many. So it was more than just two that had a grievance there. I wonder if it was hundreds. I mean, can you imagine if we were to kind of be preaching the word in here and like half the congregation just walked out you know, and said, all right, we're done here. That was really hard and difficult. Imagine in that moment, Christ has preached a, a heartfelt message. He's poured His very spirit out into it. He's poured His life into it. They don't get it and they said, this is really hard to understand. Many of them leave and many of them deserted Jesus. And this is where I believe happens to people in life. Many people start out with good intentions to follow after Christ and then when life doesn't go as planned, when there's a fork in the road, it doesn't pan out for them, they say, you know what, this Jesus stuff doesn't work. I see it all the time. I see well-intended people 
that go into this mode and then they'd, they just desert Christ. And Simon Peter had a really good idea, really good thought. It came from the Spirit of Christ. And he said this, he said, where do I have but with you? I don't have a home without you. And many of us are building our lives. We're going after things. And God's kind of in the shade. and He's in the background. He's a relic. He's the man upstairs. There's nothing that bothers me more when I hear someone talk and say, you know, you know thumbs up to the man upstairs. And I'm like, what? what are you talking about? Like Zeus or someone? He's not the man upstairs. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He goes from being an acquaintance to the center of our very life. He goes from being the man upstairs to the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I don't need a man upstairs. I need a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Can I get an amen there? Some of us have been living our life with the idea of the man upstairs. Like God somehow has wound the world up and He's up here with His arms crossed and His leg like this and He's waiting to make sure that we get it right and if we don't get it right, He's going to zap us. And it's a really sad place to be for people and it's an honest thing. But I want to preach and portray to you Emmanuel, God with us, and a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is all you have in life. It's all you have all you have. Stephen J. Cole writes, so why then in our text does Paul pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith? He was writing to Christian believers. The only conclusion is that Paul is talking about something more than Christ indwelling us at the point of salvation. He is talking about Christ being home in our hearts. And this is the part that's difficult for us. You know, we want the status quo Maybe we just want to keep things even. We just walk through life and no rough places. And God is saying, no, no, that's not the goal in this. It is time for us to get our houses ready. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been going through, we got um, our, our house refinance. Anybody ever done a refinance on your house before? You, got, you go through that mess, we got a better interest rate. And we realized Ann was laying in bed, we were talking about different ideas. We had to get the appraisal because we're going to get a better interest rate on our mortgage. And Ann was laying in bed talking to me, and she says, Steve, you know, we should bring a realtor over to the house, get some ideas. She knew this awesome realtor, fantastic lady, and she comes in and meets with us, and she talks with us, and she realizes, and we realize in that moment, that this isn't just about somebody coming in there and getting measurements and figuring out how old your furnace is, that they want to know aesthetically that everything is in order in your house. Everyone say, wow. So we go through there. We start cleaning our house. She gives us idea how to stage it and to show it. We basically have to stage our house. So we go through there. We start getting the house ready. How many know when you start getting the house ready, you start throwing some things away? We start giving some things away. We start sweeping things. We start going through things in our life and we go, why on earth have we had this for the past 20 years? Anybody have those items in their house? Maybe this is the Spirit telling you to throw it away. So we're going through there, and Anne was so great. She's the most organized lady in the world, and telling me, all right, see, we'll put this here, and we're going to put this in the van. I got the van filled up at Salvation Army, and I'm basically like going, here, go, go. I don't, we don't want this. Here, take this and take this. It was fun. It was a great thing, but we were getting our house in order. Isn't this the spiritual idea of our spiritual homes? Has our spiritual homes gotten a little cluttered up a little bit lately? Maybe memories and things in our life that continually keep us in the status quo. 
Zephaniah 1.12 says, I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. So I started cleaning my windows. I'm a window cleaner by trade. I know how to clean a window. I've been cleaning windows for a long, long time. And I started getting on my windows and I realized my windows aren't that clean. How many of you know a mechanic's car is not a good car to have? I start cleaning my windows and I get the toothpick out and I get the Q-tip out. How many of you know you're going to clean when you have those items out? We're getting surgical with this. I started going through the corners and the nooks and the crannies and you know you lift the sills up and you look in the back there. How many have a few flies? Get those things out, clean them out. Just getting deep cleaning. Our spiritual houses need this right now. How many know the Lord is coming quickly? Tom Shank said something at the men's Bible study and after he said that I was out to lunch because of what he said. He was talking about how... Um, Oh my gosh, Jack Van Impey just passed away a few, you know, few, what is it, months ago, right? And he was talking about the Lord had given him a vision that he's coming back quickly. And I thought about that for a moment and how soon he is coming back and how much of our spiritual houses need to be put in order. That we're lazy, that we're lackadaisical. We almost get to the place of complacency in Zephaniah where they think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. Are we getting our hearts ready? I want to challenge Turning Point Church to allow the Lord to search your heart and look deep and see what needs to be removed today. You know, this realtor came through and it was so great. She loved our house. You know, I want to tell you something today. Jesus Christ, the great realtor, if you will, the renovator, He loves your house. He loves you. He, you were made in His image. You were fearfully, wonderfully made. Every eye color, every hair in this place was divinely matched by the great creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. But what God does is He comes in and He reorders and remodels because how many of you know we are really good at messing ourselves up? Look deep and see what needs to be removed. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Proverbs 21.2 says, People may be right in their own eyes, but it's the Lord who examines the heart. Folks, you might think you're right in your own eyes, and I'm not here to tell you what's wrong and what's right necessarily, but I am here to tell you, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any motive in your life, anything going on. Say, God, I want you to be the divine checker on my life. I've been right in my own eyes, but I want to submit my life to the authority of your word and your gospel and what you have for me. Allow the Holy Spirit to walk through the rooms of your house and give His thoughts. The realtor went through room to room. She gave us inspiration. She gave us understanding of different things. And so we'd go to one bedroom. I'm going to follow Joe into this room here. No, I'm just kidding. We started going through to room to room. And she said, do this. Let's change this here. Let's move that there. And do you know our hearts, by the way? They're not our hearts. They're God's hearts in the first place. Everything about my life needs to reflect Christ's character and His will so if God wants me to move the bedroom furniture over here, then by golly, that would be a good idea to do it, wouldn't it? He's a little bit more experienced than me. Allow the Holy Spirit to walk the rooms of your heart, how, how, house and give His thoughts. 
Let him see it all, by the way. You know what's crazy? When you start doing an appraisal, you can't hide anything, can you? The appraisal will come through and he'll see everything. He'll take pictures. And this, by the way, is no shame moment. The Bible declares this about you and I, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're His precious children. His Word declares trust in Him and you will never be disgraced. You trust God with your heart, you will never be disgraced. If you want to trust God with some things that are painful that you don't want to give right now to Him, I can tell you right now, you can trust God with those things. You'll never be disgraced. Let Him restore your home. Let Him empower you with inner strength that was so lacking. It will feel good to get rid of some of this stuff. You know what we found is the more we cleaned, the better we felt. How many of you like to go to a, a clean house? Isn't it a nice thing? You know, one of the things I love to do is I love to get the shades open. It bothers me when I see neighbors when their shades are down all day. It starts to bother me. It's one of my other things. Batteries and shades down all day. I said, Ann, something's going on over there. They need to get them shades up. What are they hiding? No, I'm just kidding. But I love, the, I love getting light into the house. In fact, that's one of the things that the realtor says. When he comes through, make sure all your blinds are up so that they can see the light. It makes your rooms brighter. Folks, let me tell you something. The sin that you're hiding right now is not making you a brighter person. If you would just allow the Lord, the Bible says, to confess our sins one to another. It is so beautiful if we can go to people and say, listen, will you forgive me of this? I was wrong here. It's so revealing. It's so wonderful. It will open shades. It will give you freedom that you've never had before. Don't cover it up. Go to someone you can trust. Go to a pastor. Go to a dear treasured friend. Don't post it on social media. Go to a dear person and say, this has been bothering me. This has been bothering me. All the years, all the things, the thoughts, and the things that you thought important, here's the crazy thing in this life, is that the things you thought important before are not as important as they are now, are they? Things have changed. The things that were important to you before, they're not important anymore. You start to look at life differently, and I believe it's beautiful what God does is He rebuilds our house, He restores us, He changes things up. You know, when I grew up, we had you know, different things that, w that were in style then, but they're not in style now. They're, they're things that have changed, and my mom would change those things out. And, and, and so you go through transitions in your life, and God says, let go of these things so I can freshen your life up and make things bright in your life again. I love what Oscar Wilde, uh, Wilde writes. He said, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. So we're in one of those categories or both of them. I think we're all in both of them, aren't we? Every saint has a past. If you're a saint in this place, can I get an amen? But every sinner has a future. You have a future today. 1 Peter 2.5 says you don't have to turn there. You are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. Osginus writes, but the sinner need not be stuck in the past. You don't need to be stuck in the past. Imagine yourself, imagine God through the power of the Holy Spirit sweeping things up, those things up, cleaning things out of your house. It's a beautiful thing. And Sandra, if you want to come up here and start playing, I'm going to end with a story about our houses being God's house. 
I think in the Old Testament, it's a beautiful thing. What the leader of the home was to do was they were to take a spoon and they were to take a feather and they were to take a light, a lamp, a candle, and to go through every nook and crevice of the house finding that sweep that up and to sweep and to get those things out of the house. I think in the church today, I think all of us need to get back to the place where we're taking the spoon and we're taking the candle and we're taking the feather to dust up all that junk and to get rid of it. It's vitally important for us because God does not like status quo. I want to read this story by Robert Munger and maybe you've heard it before in his little booklet called My Heart, Christ Home. He tells of how Christ entered his heart and in the joy of the newfound relationship. He said, Lord, I want my heart of mine to be yours. I want to have you settle down here and be perfectly at home. Everything I have belongs to you. Let me show you around and introduce you to the various features of my home so that you may be more comfortable and that we may have fuller fellowship together. So he took Christ into the study library, which represents the things that the mind focuses on. The Lord had a bit of clean-up work to do there, getting rid of books and magazines, as well as some shameful pictures on the wall. They moved on to the dining room, which represent eating worldly fare rather than doing the will of God. Worldly pleasures do not satisfy in the long run. Our food should be to do His will. From there, they moved to the drawing room or the sitting room. It was a fireplace and overstuffed chairs and a bookcase and a quiet atmosphere. They agreed to meet there each morning to start their day together. At first, they spent some wonderful hours there, but then as pressures mounted, the time began to be shorted. And then Munger got so busy that he started skipping these times. One morning as he was rushing out the door, he saw that the door to the drawing room was ajar. There was a fire in the fireplace and the Lord was sitting there alone. He said, Master, have you been here all these mornings? Yes, said the Lord. I told you that I would be here every morning to meet with you. And the Lord went on to explain the problem was Munger viewed the quiet time only as a means for his own spiritual progress rather than as a time to meet in fellowship with the living Lord. They moved on to the workshop where the Lord showed him how he could work through him to produce good works. And then the Lord asked him about the playroom. He was hoping that the Lord wouldn't bring that up. There were certain friendships and activities that he just didn't feel comfortable inviting the Lord to join. But finally he realized that he, wouldn't have, he would have no joy unless the Lord remodeled that room of the house also. He thought that the Lord had finally finished the remodeling and was comfortable living there. But then one day he came home to find the Lord waiting at the door. He said, There's a peculiar odor in the house. There is something dead in here in the hall closet. Munger knew about the closet, but he had the key to it and wanted to keep it off limits. He certainly didn't want Christ to see what was in there. In fact, he was angry that Christ had mentioned it. After all, he had given the Lord access to the library, the dining room, the drawing room, the workshop, and the playroom. Now, he was trying to pry into a small closet, he thought. This is too much. I'm not going to give him the key. But the Lord said, well, I can't stay in here with that foul odor. I'll make my bed out on the porch until this is cleaned up. Munger says, when you have come to know and love Christ, the worst thing that can happen is to sense his fellowship retreating from you. I had to surrender. I'll give you the key, I sadly said, but you'll have to clean it out. I haven't the strength to do it. The Lord said, I know you haven't. Just give me the key and authorize me to take care of it and I will. Finally, Munger signed over the title deed to the Lord and said, 
you run the house. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? So see, Christ goes through the room of our spiritual houses and maybe you started out at a great place. Maybe you met with Him. You fellowshiped with Him. And you found in the busyness of the day, the week, the month, things maybe a little bit more significant or more important per se. And Christ wants the keys to every room in your house. Today I want to start with this. Maybe you're like the story of Munger, and right now you're at the very beginning of that platform. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he is not owner of that house of yours, your heart. And you want to give Him lordship of your life, control of it. Just like Munger said in the very end, fine, you take control of it all. Today, God is wanting control of your life. He wants you. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you say, that's me today, I give Him control of my life. I give my life to Him today. I accept the invitation. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone? Thank you. I want to pray this prayer specifically, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your life. I thank you for the heart that you've given to me. Father, I ask you into my heart right now. I give you my life. I give you every aspect of my life. The neat parts, the clean parts, and the parts that I've locked away. I trust you today, God with my heart. Do what you need to do to make me right. Thank you, God, for the new life that you're giving to me. I trust you. With my today, with my yesterday, and with my future. In Jesus' name. With every head and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you believer or like Munger in that story and you say, you know what? There's an odor coming from this area. And like Jesus said in the story here, he's like, I'm going to go sleep out on the porch. And you've noticed that the sense of fellowship with the Father is gone. Today, in your heart, it's no more than just instruction and words on a page. And life basically sounds like the teacher and Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. There is no energy and no passion and no zeal and it is status quo. And you say, my life today needs to get back to that place. And you can cry out to God say, God, I don't have the strength to open that door. I don't want to mess with it. God says, fine, let me, I'll take care of it. Let me take care of it. And you, dear loved one, know today that you have an identity and you have a place in Christ and He loves you and His goal is not to shame you and not to harm you. In fact, the love of God that He spread over the world covers a multitude of sins. And He takes our sins 
And He separates them as far as the east is from the west. And He sends our transgressions into the sea of forgetfulness. He regards them no more. And you believers say, fine, I'm giving this closet back to Him. I'm allowing Him to take over my home, my life, my family, the rhythms. The status quo is being shaken. Today, if that's you and you say, that's me, I'm the story of Munger and I want to give that back. Today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Anyone in here today? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I give you the keys to every area of my heart. You have free reign in my house because my house is your house. My dwelling is your dwelling. I give you the areas I've shoved away I give you the hurt. I give you the pain. I give you the bitterness and the anger. I give you the pride. Take that odor away. I've been covering it up for too long. Come back in from the porch. You have the seat of honor. I've been sitting in that seat too long. You have the seat of honor. In my heart. Amen. Father, today, start a wonderful work. May a speedy revival happen in our homes in this church because we, your people, have confessed our sins and have turned from our wicked ways so that you would hear from heaven and you'll heal our land. I pray as a result of these prayers, Father, healing would happen in relationships. Healing would happen in businesses. Healing would happen, Father God, in every area of our life because you restore what the enemy took. You restore the joy that lacked and the purpose. In the areas where we lacked in our identity, now you give us an identity. Forgive us for our pride and our arrogance. For God, you declared today that blessed are the poor in spirit. So God, today, may there be contrition in our heart. A contrite heart. Father, we have boasted too long of our accomplishments. We have propped ourselves up too long. And today may the people in here today be those who are poor in spirit. Where they realize that everything in their life is as a result of their dependence upon Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd mark them, that you'd anoint us today to do what you called us to do. God, thank you for challenging the status quo in our hearts and our minds. 
and for making all things new. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, I love you so much. Our heart is going to be established and where we kind of move into this next week is talking about our roots going deeper in Christ. But I love you so much. If you need to grab someone and say, hey, will you pray with me today? Don't leave here today without grabbing someone and just sealing the deal, so to speak, in life. Amen? I love you. By the way, to celebrate the house that we've changed and, and gone through, we got some big old meatballs back there, okay? So I love you so much. Have a wonderful week.